Welcome to The Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. We're mixing things up a little bit here on The Kindness Podcast today. My friend Nathan Hofer has offered to take over the microphone to interview me about my new book, The Negativity Remedy, Unlocking More Joy, Less Stress, and Better Relationships Through Kindness. Well, this is kind of a weird thing. We decided, because I have a kindness team and they decided, that someone should interview me. So we're turning the tables a little bit, and my team has invited Nathan Hofer uh, to join us. And Nathan is from Lost and Found. Is it is it Hofer? Did I say it wrong? You did say it right. Correct. I did. You said okay. it correctly. Because I said it, and then I thought, why does that not sound right today? I've said your name a million times, and all of a sudden, you know, you put you put the record button on, and you think, what 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 just happened? So anyway, Nathan. Yeah, no, I hear that. Thank you for being the guy that my team thought needed to talk with me about this. I think they I think they know that um, that I like you and that I'm. I'm normal and loose as can be when I talk to you and <laughs> about stuff and that you always have great insights on things. So such a pleasure to talk with you today. Oh, no, the pleasure is mine, Nicole. It's such a it's such a good experience. The, the time we've had together through through the covid times uh, with you and your team. So I, I appreciate being thought of when I know you could have thought of. Uh, many others that were that are more high profile than myself and our little organization. But I I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you about your new book, The Negativity Remedy. Yeah, but you know what? Before we do that, will you tell everybody what your organization is? Because you say little organization, oh. but it's a really big deal. Well, you know, I think so. You know, I I, I know we're small and we're very local currently, um, you know, South Dakota based primarily, expanding regionally um, with hopes to expand nationally one day. But um, the organization I work for is the, the Lost and Found Association. We just call ourselves Lost and Found. Um, and what we focus on is building resilience in young adults as a form of preventative mental health. So what we do is we try to be on the front side of building, building tools and skills and support networks and uh, destigmatizing all the things around mental health so that we get to a point where we don't have to deal with suicide, we don't have to deal with self-harm because they're, they're not an issue, they're non-issues. And that's the, that's the goal, that's what we focus on. And uh, we currently work uh, at several universities here in the state of South Dakota and we're expanding our reach back to, in, to encompass that whole spectrum of young adulthood from 14 to 35. So it's an exciting time for us. We just celebrated 10 years. And um, yeah, my goal is to work myself out of a job. Mm. So we're, we'll keep on working until that happens. That's awesome. And because we are in the time of COVID, uh, you will hear from my end a dog bark at some point. And Nathan has little ones at home, so you might hear little ones in the background. So that's fun. But There is no doubt. Right now, uh, Cousin Jovi is over with, and she and my oldest daughter, Aletta, are the same age. And right now, they're playing the game that everyone played as a kid, you know, Mommy and Unicorn. So. <laughs> what? Okay. Well, Bloody's we, the mommy, Jovi's the unicorn. Obviously, everyone played that game, right? Yeah, we had different childhoods, I think. But yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. All right. So thanks for talking with me about the negativity remedy. I appreciate it. I'll be quiet and let you do the interview now. 
Oh, no. Uh, first off, I want to say a huge thank you and a shout out to the Kindness team. You you all are awesome. Uh, you literally saved the day yesterday on our own live cast, uh, came in and talked about our, our world and what was going on. And uh, as we had some technical difficulties, so I appreciate that. And we did get a chance to touch on the negativity remedy yesterday, which made me even more excited to do this interview today. So uh, can you just, you know, Tell me a little bit about the negativity remedy and maybe what prompted you to, to write it, because it seems like just awesome content. Well, this book is really 10 years in the making for me. Uh, I started my adventure on kindness back in 2011. So, okay, nine years if you're really good at math, right? <laughs> I realized in my own life how powerful kindness was and how I uh, saw these great changes, not only in myself physically and mentally, but in my home. You know, don't we all wanna live in a home that is drama-free and and at least, you know, the tantrums, tantrum-free by the parents, at least. Uh, and so, to me, that was really what, what I started to notice in my house. And when you come across something I feel like that that you feel is so powerful, you have to share it. Now, sometimes for some people, that's a great recipe. Oh my gosh, I just have this great recipe. I need to share it, right? Or, you know, on the far end, other spectrum, oh my goodness, we found a cure for cancer. Let's share it, right? And and so I am I'm not on either one of those ends of that spectrum, but I'm kind of in the middle with, hey, there's a difference between living life and loving life. And I want to help you love your life and just find adventure and joy in every single day and reduce your level of stress, especially now with all of the, with COVID and with protests and all the things that are vying for our attention um, in, in, in trying to create fear in our brains. I, I thought there's gotta be a different way. So 10 years ago, you know, I've been, I, I, I didn't know that this would ever be a book, but I lived kind of some of those principles in the book. And then six years ago, I said, I need to write this book. And so I wrote kind of the outline for the chapters at the time. And then I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I put this book aside, kind of shelved it, and didn't pull it off the shelf until two years ago. And at that point, it was like one of those things where you wake up in the middle of the night and you say, I have to do this. And so that was kind of how it worked for me. Like, I have to, I have to write this. And so I, I, I woke up the next morning and I sat down in my chair. And within, I don't know, two or three days, I had written the first two chapters, three chapters of the book. And at that point, I sent it to my agent and I said, do you think there'd be any interest for a book about doing life with kindness and changing perspective. And she said, I bet you there is. So we ended up at that point um, uh, making this huge book proposal, which takes as long as it takes to actually write a book. And then we sent it out, she sent it out to different publishers. And there were actually four publishers who wanted to, um, to work on this with me. And so we got to choose one of them, and I chose to work with Baker Publishing, Baker Bookhouse, and they, it, it was really cool, Nathan, we actually, I met the editor in Chicago, it was kind of a central location for both of us, 
Um, and we sat in my hotel room in Chicago and went through every proposed chapter, every story I thought about telling, every um, piece of research that we could find in it, and basically just put the book together in in outline form. So then after that weekend was over and I went back to my house, I, I started to kind of rewrite the whole book and, and finish writing. And it was a really neat process. And I felt like, okay, what we ended up with at the end is so much better than I had imagined six years ago. And so I'm, I feel really delighted by that. You know, and I, I'm guessing that your, your experience that you, you had, like said, with having breast cancer probably fueled into the into the depth that you were able to put into this book. Yeah, that's a really great point. It's true because, you know, you can live up to a certain point of life and feel like, oh, these are all the things I learned. I should share it. But what you forget is we're constantly growing. We are constantly a work in progress. I am, at least. I'm constantly adding new tools to my own tool belt on or, or having difficult situations or, you know, dealing with what I might perceive as a difficult person. And you learn from that and then you have something new to share. So it's been really, it's, yes, it's, I'm sure if I write the book or or write another book 10 years from now, it will be, um, there'll be a whole lot more depth to it as well. Mm -hmm. You know, and you've, and you've written a couple other books already. So, I mean, this is, I, I'm curious, how was maybe writing this book different? But then also, how does this book differ from your other two books? Because they're, even in the title, they seem different. You know, kindness is contagious, kindness is courageous, um, negativity remedy, you know, they, they tie together. But I, I think there's got to probably be some market differences here. For sure. Uh, the first two books, Kindness is Contagious was the first, Kindness is Courageous is the second. And both of those are compilations of um, articles from my newspaper column that runs in North Dakota and Minnesota. And so it's a each of those books has a hundred stories of kindness. And they are really neat books for rerouting a bad day. Like if you if you run across somebody and, you're, and you just think to yourself, you know what? People suck. Because <laughs> sometimes we think that. People suck. <laughs> and um, so, you know, or a situation just is really dragging us down. Those are great because you can pick up that book, open to any page, and read a three-minute story on how great people really are in times when kindness just showed up at the right moment. And so that makes them really good gift books, I think, because, you know, yeah, you can give one to your mother-in-law. You can give one to your neighbor. It doesn't matter how well or how little you know them because everybody can understand the language of kindness. Now, this book is more of a how-to guide. I had a girlfriend in Fargo, North Dakota, and she has known me forever and ever and ever. And I talk about it in the introduction of the book, but basically she has noticed a marked difference in my life over the past decade. And, and she kind of you know, shakes her head and says, what in the world happened to you? Like, how, how is it that your entire mind has changed at how you look at people in situations? Now, I, I guess an example of something might be when people go, well, what do you mean by that? So things that would really have bothered me in the past, let's say, um, well, this actually happened. I, I was at a swimming pool in the summer a few years ago with a friend of mine, and that pool happened to serve food. And so I ordered chicken tenders for the kids, and 
um, when the food came out, it was burnt, like to a crisp, you know? <laughs> I mean, it could not have been more unedible. And so my girlfriend who was there with me was really indignant. She was like, you need to send that back. I can't believe you're paying for that and whatever. But as I looked at the person who was, you know, making the food and um, trying to get people their drinks and checking people into in and out of the pool and making sure they all had goggles and everything else, like there was one person working and she was way overwhelmed, like way overwhelmed on this hot summer day. And I looked at my friend and I said, no, I said, look at this. She's working her tail off right now. I get to sit here by the pool and watch my kids. You know what? If they need to wait to go home to eat chicken tenders, I don't care. Everybody's okay. You know, let's not let's not make this into something bigger than it needs to be. And so I I try I try to look at all of those sorts of tricky situations in a different light. And so my friend Andrea in Fargo was the one who said to me, I just how do you get to the point where that's how you see situations instead of getting mad? And she said, would you write a book about that? <laughs> and so I said, sure. And so I did. That's all it takes. So if I say you should write a book about something, I'm going to, I'll think of some ideas for you. Before, don't worry. <laughs> Thanks. Um, you know, you mentioned with your other, your other books, these, these, um, this culmination of stories. And I know yesterday when we were on our live cast that you and Sarah popped in on with, uh, with Tammy Joy Lane, that you mentioned how she had been uh, a support and an inspiration to you. So I'm curious, what, what are some, who are some people that you look to for inspiration? Um, and, and why do you look to those folks? Mm. Well, so Tammy Joy Lane is I, I interviewed her in one of the earliest episodes of the Kindness Podcast, and she's one of those people who very quietly and very sweetly loved on me, even though she didn't know me. So I was writing this newspaper column and asking people to send in their stories. And instead of sending in a story of kindness that I could perhaps you know put in the paper, Tammy just sent me postcards. Um, really like colorful postcards with, you know, some of them had stickers on them even and just saying, you're doing a great job. Keep on keeping on. And so to me, that was like, wow, you know, it's it's that sort of thing that um, inspires me. It's those, it's, you know, I don't need a cheerleader to stand next to me and tell me all the time, like, oh, you're so great. You're doing a great job. You know, like, I, it's not that. It's the fact that, once in a while, something or someone shows up that just, you know, it's like, it's like this great thing about the universe that it shows up just when you need it, when you need that little bit of kick and that little bit of inspiration. So as far as people who inspire me, um, I think that it comes down, um, you know, my email inbox comes down to my email inbox. I have people who email me stories all the time. And some of them are similar. You know, I paid for someone at a restaurant or, you know, I helped a cat out of a tree, whatever. <laughs> okay, not the cat out of the tree. I made that one up. Uh, but, you know, paid maybe paid for coffee behind for the person behind me or something. I'll get some of those stories. But each one, the details are different. And in each one, I am so inspired by what people tell me it felt like to be the giver or to be the receiver. And, and so I get delighted by those and I get inspired and re-inspired by those sorts of situations. Um, and then I'll have, you know, 
stories that are completely like take my breath away, like somebody who bought a, a car for her pastor. You know, it's there are things that are just ginormous that you think, whoa, you know, um, but all of them inspire me really in the same way. As far as people who inspire me, you mentioned uh, the name Sarah and Sarah is on my kindness team. I, I'm not sure if people know, I, I have um, a really great kindness team that supports everything, every aspect of what I do. And so Sarah Tashin is one of those people and she's in Wisconsin. Andrea Tice is another one of those people and she's in Iowa. And then uh, Teresa South is a longtime friend and, and she's another one of those people and she's in Ohio. So um, they also inspire me uh, because you know, they're sharing their day-to-day -day life with me, the ups and the downs, and how they use kindness to kind of smooth those peaks and valleys a little bit. So did that answer your question? Is that what you were, is that what you were asking? You know, it did. I, okay. I yeah, sometimes I don't even know what I'm asking, but that was a great <laughs> answer. That's exactly <laughs> how I feel. I don't know what I'm asking, but I hope you know what you're ready to answer because <laughs> I know there's something Some great. Sometimes something good just comes out of some some of the mumbo jumbo I see. So that was a, that was perfect. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to have we did a what three week session back in March in the in the like I said in the COVID times. Yeah. That was seems seems so long ago, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It's been like five months, and it feels like or six months, and it feels like seven years. But that's a good thing because it feels like I've known you and the kindness team for seven years. And that's a good thing. Yeah. The other part of it is a little bit, you know, a little bit of a mix and match. But one thing that I remember you talking about that I thought was so fascinating was what goes into kindness behind the scenes. So, you know, like the, the, the science of it. And so I was wondering if you could share a little bit about the science of kindness. And then, you know, I know that people think about that being kind seems so sometimes... I don't know, maybe not everyone, but some people I feel like think about being kind as just this like natural, like, like, you know, just being sweet to people. And I know there's a bunch of those other myths out there about what kindness is and how to be kind. So if you could also, you know, share some of the science about kindness, but also some of those myths about kindness that you'd like to just knock off the table and get them out of there. Yeah, well, I'll start with the, I'll start backwards in that, which is um, one of the biggest myths of kindness is that it's, it's rainbows and gumballs and unicorns, you know, lots of unicorns talk today. Um, <laughs> so that couldn't be further from the truth. Kindness has real teeth. And that was one of the most exciting things for me to learn when I started researching kindness. It, it was that there is actually something happening in my body that is creating this feel-good effect, that is creating the rainbows and unicorns kind of bubblegum feeling. And, um, but that, that, that goodness, that, that happiness, that joyful, that chemical reaction that's happening is, is, is powerful enough to turn around a life. I mean, that's teeth, right? And so I have actually, a, a, in chapter three of the book, I, I have a chapter that says what actual experts are saying about kindness. <laughs> Because I know kindness so much from my own life experience. But when I started to delve in and really see, like, what are the actual experts, you know, saying about this? I found out that there were four chemicals that are released into your body 
And then I found out that it's not just when you are receiving kindness or giving kindness, but it's the giver, the receiver, and the witness to that act of kindness that all benefit from these feel-good you know, hormones. And so you've got your endorphins and endorphins that gives you a runner's high, but it's kind of the fight or flight instinct that takes place and, and it is um, your body's natural pain reliever. So the cool thing about that is you've got this... Um, when you do an act of kindness that's a little out of your comfort zone, maybe you felt that, Nathan, where it's like the fight or flight. Have you ever felt that where you're, where you're, ah, I don't know what's going to happen right now sort of feeling? Only, only regularly with children. Just, <laughs> ah, just kidding. But also sometimes not. Uh, yeah. No, I totally understand that. It's like there's this moment of like you just – you don't know what what to do about it. You just are trying to figure out how to handle whatever comes next, and you, and you're you're in that stress state, and that's that's not a lot of fun. No, it's not. But when it comes to kindness and talking to somebody out of your your comfort zone, it's 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 not fun, but yet it is fun because you can feel it coming. You know, you're like, oh wow, okay, yeah, and then you get you walk away from that, and as your as your stress hormones kind of relax again. Um, you get this, it's replaced with this helper's high, this like, oh, wow, something cool just happened and I got to be a part of it. We'll get back to our conversation on the negativity remedy in just a moment. But first, our kindness call. Hi, my name is Angela. Uh, True kindness is giving of yourself when you are tired, when you are done, when you need kindness. That's when it's time to give a little more kindness and it will be returned to you. Did you know you can be on the Kindness Podcast? Call the Kindness Hotline with your story. You can leave us a voicemail at the number in the description of this podcast. Now, back to the show. Something that you've mentioned, too, and I I know it from my own experience and something you've echoed, is that kindness is not a state of being. It's a choice. You You can choose to be kind in a tough situation. As your example with the um, the burnt chicken tenders, you know, you you had a you had a choice and you chose to be kind. I think one of those things that I feel like others have a, a myth about is like they see someone like, oh, that person's so kind. That's just how they are. And that might be you might be more predisposed to be a kind person, but you can choose to be kind and to find joy in all aspects of life. And I think that's that's something that you've shared with me that I think is spot on. That's really something that I hope that my kids learn and take away because they see me battle to choose kindness on a regular basis. You know, I mean, when you're doing life in a house with somebody, you cannot fake it, right? I am not a naturally, you know, gentle demeanor, soft-spoken, so sweet, so kind sort of person. I am not. I am more of like... You know, I don't know, a, a bit of a a bit of a fireball. Like when my kids were little, my husband used to say, you better watch out because Mount St. Mommy is about to erupt. And like he could see me getting angry and like, I've asked you 14 times. And um, and so, yeah, I mean, my son last night was supposed to put away his laundry and he's 10 and he I must have said it five times. And like what I wanted to do was pick him up by his ankles and hang him upside down and be like, yeah, you, uh, you're driving me bonkers right now, kid. Just listen, focus, do what you've been asked to do. But I, they see me in those moments 
choose kindness and to choose to remain calm and to choose my words so that I'm not saying things that are belittling or, um, you know, I don't ever want to attack their character. You know, they're not lazy kids. My son, who didn't put away his laundry, is not lazy. He's not a scatterbrain, but he might be choosing behavior that is lazy, you know? And so I try to be really careful about that. And I hope someday when they have their own families, and I'm excited about that someday, to watch them and see, you know, how, how much of this was kind of caught by them. Yeah, that's important. I think we, I, I'm learning it as I said, my kids are young for almost four, almost a year. Um, but I think about that and I know I don't do a great job uh, with that all the time is, is being a good example and, and leading by example because people, people watch what you're doing. You're especially you, Nicole, you are, you have risen to a state of prominence, not just within your house, uh, but, but within, uh, within, uh, within, within your work, you're, you know, you're one that has made, has a lot of great connections that are deep across the country that uh, I've gotten to piggyback off of a few times here now and, and meet some great people. Um, and, uh, you know, you talk about these moments of difficulty. You, like you said, you're choosing kindness. Um, has there been anything that's helped, you know, shift your perspective towards that? Um, Sarah, maybe, maybe mention a certain, uh, a certain something named Dakota that maybe you wanted to talk about. My dog? <laughs> Sarah said your golden doodle helped helped shift your perspective. She told me. She comes up with the most obscure bunny trails of things <laughs> that I'm like, Sarah, wait, what are we talking about right now? She has the best mind because she she is constantly chasing squirrel tails. And and I'm talking Sarah, not my dog right now. Um, Sarah chases squirrels and it's so great because she then expands the brain of the whole team to think outside the box, to think bigger and different than we might think otherwise. But when she says to you, when she sends you just enough information that is completely confusing to me, um, then <laughs> I'm like, Sarah, what were we talking about? Oh, let's see. I... I have a dog and her name is Dakota and she is a 70 pound golden doodle. Um, and I wonder she, th there's, there could be two different things she's talking about. One is that Dakota is really great for my mental health because she's the one who gets me outside to walk. You know, Dakota loves to go for a walk. And in fact, if I keep saying that word, she's going to come tearing down the stairs any moment because she knows the word and gets excited to, to go, you know, walk through cornfields and, and, uh, you know, I like to go off-roading it with Dakota. And so we get to see all kinds of different things. Um, and in South Dakota especially, we get to, you know, scare up the pheasants in the fields. And it's pretty, it's pretty fun. It's pretty neat. And so that can definitely reroute my day on any given point. Um, but I'm also wondering if maybe Sarah was asking about, um, about Dakota's invisible fence. And so a, a, a while ago... I think it might be in my second book, Kindness is Courageous, but I, I tell a story about Dakota and her invisible fence. And when we lived in Ohio, we had an underground invisible fence and Dakota had a collar that she we put on her and it would beep and then it would shock her if she decided to, you know, escape from the lawn. And after a while, 
the the fence broke and so it wouldn't shock her when she went over but she didn't know that it was broken so we when we would put her collar on her she would assume she had to stay a certain amount away from the perimeter and she would just do it with her collar on that was her mindset and um and so my question to people was you know what's your collar you know what is what what happened earlier in your life to make you think that you can't do something you know when i was in third, fourth grade, I remember getting a C on an art project that I thought was really, really great. And uh, that was disappointing. And it was a one-time thing. But it piggybacked on the fact that in preschool, I did a Mother's Day um, painting. And the teacher made me start over because I wanted to use all black markers. I thought that that was fun. And I wanted to make a zoo. So I made animals. And then I put bars in front of the animals. And everything was in black. And my teacher walked by and she was like, you cannot give this to your mother for Mother's Day. You know, like, let's try again. Here's some brown for a tree trunk and green for the leaves. And, you know, um, so that to me became like my collar. That to me was my preconceived notion that I was not good at art and I still carry that you know somebody else is willing to make the a banner or a poster or a graphic I'm like yeah you do it I'm not good at that so um Dakota really helped me to understand that that sometimes we give ourselves boundaries that don't actually exist and um yeah so maybe that's what Sarah's talking about I'm guessing that's what it was because that was great Oh, I loved that. Thanks. And and I'll be, I'll be honest, it's funny to me because you talk about this memory from your childhood. And I, I was thinking, as you said that, I thought very almost instantly of a moment where I uh, had a friend over at my at my house. We were playing on the tire swing and the, this, this guy was saying, I'm nauseous. And I heard obnoxious. And I said that. And he's like, no, I'm saying nauseous. And I was like, I don't know what that means because I was like six or seven or something. <laughs> and I felt so dumb that I was like, that I worked so hard to like, it, you know, it was part of the reason why I tried to, you know, I read so many books and I did so much stuff because I wanted to be like, I don't want to feel stupid again. Yeah. Isn't, and it's, that's from you know, like almost 30 years ago. And I, I still, I still can come up with it like that. Yeah, and when I wrote when I when I posted that on Facebook um, several years ago, uh, a version of that that of Dakota's story, you would not believe the people in the comments that that came out of that because people were like, "Me too, totally." I was in fifth grade, and it was you know this person, or you know, it was we can find all kinds of people who have supported us and loved us, but it's so funny how sometimes we just let the one snap instance where we felt dumb or belittled to really shape what we feel like we can or can't do you know that that is so true and it, oftentimes it is this this negative response and that's what creates that wall so i'm guessing that's probably part of what's what was behind you writing this book is like what how do we deal with that and so bringing it back to the book i kind of got us off off on a bunny trail sorry sarah i took your job uh, <laughs> taking us down Chase some squirrel tails. Um, but, you know, who who do you hope is going to read this book and what do you hope they get out of it? 
honestly, Nathan, everyone. And I know that's such a, I don't know, like generic answer, but it's true. It's just what I hope. Like, I don't care what your religion is. I don't care what your cultural upbringing is. I just feel like I want so desperately to be able to speak into the lives of people who feel like I'm a long way from there or from the to those people who say, gosh, I'm so close, but yet something feels like it's missing. I want to be a part of those people's lives. And the only way as one person I know to be a part of their lives is by trying to shout from the mountaintops with this book and, you know, through this podcast and and through the other writings that I do. I just I um, I'm passionate about loving people well and helping them to love themselves well. So um, that's what I'm that's what I'm hope, who I'm hoping to reach and, you know, just help them to accomplish um, what I want to accomplish is just to help them to to see um, their ability to have a better life. I love that. I was hoping that was going to be your answer, that you were going to say everyone. That's what, <laughs> that, was my, that was my hope, because uh, I think that as we you talked about negativity moments from when you were a child, and I, those things carry on through adulthood. They carry on through, you know, at, at all points of that, of, of that spectrum of life. And I think it's awesome that you've written a book in such a way that it hits to everyone at that point in their life. Thank That's you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for interviewing me today, Nathan. I really appreciate yeah. it. It was it was it was really fun. It's always really fun talking to you. Yeah. So uh, before I before I kick it, kick kick out of here, um, <laughs> what do you I mean, what how can how can uh, how can listeners find out more about you, find access to the book? And then, you know, what are we uh, what are we going to say about the book when Ellen has you on her show? You know, it's important. <laughs> Um, well, if Ellen has me on her show, I definitely, um, just want to give a book to every single person in the audience and, you know, then, you know, a bunch of people at home too. That's, that would be my goal is not necessarily to have anything brilliant to say on, on Ellen, but to be able to say to people, Hey, take this book and read it because, um, because I know that there's something in it for you. Uh, but the book is available, uh, on Amazon or wherever you find your favorite books and uh, how people can find me. That's what you wanted me to say next? Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I have a website, NicoleJPhillips.com. And, you know, I have this weekly podcast that we are, are doing right now, the Kindness Podcast. And I, I write a newspaper column every week and I blog every week. And so I'm on social media at Nicole J. Phillips pretty much you know, wherever there's social media. So I just would love for people to reach out and, and tell me how kindness has changed their life. I love that. Thank you again for the opportunity to, to chat with you today, Nicole. And uh, Ellen, we're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks, Nathan, for being such a great cheerleader for me. I appreciate it. Oh no, I'm I'm thankful to be in your in a in in the same sphere as you and your team. You're, you have a great group and you're doing awesome things and love to walk alongside it. So thanks again for this opportunity and um, we'll have to go get the negativity remedy here real quick. 
Many thanks to my friend Nathan Hofer from Lost and Found for taking over in the interview chair today. And thank you for listening to the Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUV Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to the Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section. And don't forget to check out my new book, The Negativity Remedy, now available in stores. Thank you.